Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast post-Japanese Grand Prix edition Feels weird to be recording a podcast at this time in the morning, Tommy. But this will be the last time, don't worry, uh, that we will be talking about times of recording because uh, the only other time it's going to be early this year is Vegas. And we are very lucky to actually be there this year, Tommy. Is that right? Have I got that right? I don't think there's any other early ones. No, that should be the, it, for, for us at least, for, for people in Europe, yeah. Uh, every, every other person across the world is like, oh, boohoo, one race. Yeah, I know. I've already had several messages saying, please stop. But we have to talk about it. We're British. We don't like early mornings. Although, Tommy, you, you've you've got grace now, so this was normal for you. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, pretty much. I it, I did actually get before her though, which is the first time in about a year. So there we go. Right before we carry on, we've got a nice little snippet from a chat we had about the Japanese Grand Prix in two thousand and five from our Patreon. And if you fancy supporting P1 and joining our Patreon family, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Matt P1 Tommy, where we're going to be doing loads of classic race chat, as well as lots of other little exclusives. We even dropped the full one hour Carlos Sainz YouTube video for every single one of our patrons as a bit of a special thank you. Lots more content to come. So without further ado, here's a little clip for you to enjoy. Let's head to the midpoint of the race now, and Schumacher, Alonso, and Raikkonen are all running together on track. Obviously, Schumacher, we've already said, in a car, easily seven seconds a lap off the pace uh, <laughs> compared to Alonso and Raikkonen, and uh, you know, just doing goat things. Uh, obviously, kidding, um, but he was in a tractor. And then Alonso pulls off. Right, we need to talk about this move. All right, are you going to tell me it's over the one thirty R move around the outside? Fernando Alonso and Michael Schumacher, the most overrated move wow, of all you're, time. You're disgusting. No. So over it. Alonso was clear before he even got to the apex of 130R. No. Wow. Uh, well, he was he was clear, but it's that having the audacity to to turn in, not knowing that he kind of was was still there. And, and I'm it bitter, was a, it was, Tommy. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful move. It was a lovely um, move. I'm only kidding, it, but it, I, I am. I think it's slightly more overrated than perhaps uh, it should. Like it's, it's slightly more rated, I, sorry, than than perhaps I think it deserves. I, I think probably the fact that it's two great drivers. You know, I think we've seen it before, where like Esteban Ocon this year, for example, pulls a great move, and because he's kind of driving in the midfield and isn't a world champion uh, at the moment. Uh, if if you believe he might be in the future, but at the moment he's obviously not. And maybe, I, I think a lot of great moves in history, maybe like uh, Mick Hakkinen, obviously that was a really good move, but I think there was something more special when the moves were done on Schumacher because he was so dominant it was the, that It time. was the changing of the guard. It That's was, what that yeah, was. Yeah. It was the yeah. historical like, realisation that 
something's happening here. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was the actual move itself. It was just the whole combined thing. But hey, great move, Alonso. I hope you're really happy. <laughs> but uh, it was it was an amazing race to watch. Uh, the the fact that those guys were kind of all battling um, together around Suzuka back when yeah the cars were so much smaller and more nimble and could run side by side through corners and things like that. So anyway, the Japanese Grand Prix, that's what we're talking about today. Um, there are some big moments, I think, from, from this race to chat about, but I wouldn't say there's an extensive list. Like, I don't think this is going to be our longest ever podcast. No, it depends how much we get, go into certain drivers not, <laughs> not performing. Um, but it's one of those ones where it wasn't the greatest race in the world. Um, I think there was a bit of intrigue. Um, and I think it definitely didn't feel as bad the fact that it was a two-stop, so I felt like there was stuff going on reasonably um, throughout the race, like quite a lot. Um, but it's more about storylines, I guess, than racing action, wasn't it? Absolutely. Why don't you hit me with your most memorable moment? Well, I don't think it can be anything other than Sergio Perez and um, his shocking race, uh, really shocking I don't think that just when you thought surely he can't do a race this year that's worse than Monaco and he gave it a good shot because that was an absolute disaster. You can't blame him, uh, in my opinion, for the first one because that incident happened uh, further back as well. Um, It's a very tight turn into turn one and a lot of cars trying to go uh, side by side uh, and it was unfortunate that he had that collision. But then to, you know, be in a very very quick car that's winning uh, the race by a mile and you get to come through the field in that car should be fairly easy just pick your battles and you know punts k mag has incidents here and there had a very confusing incident with lando as well uh, behind the vsc just an absolute nightmare and then you know red bull sealed the constructors championship in that race and all anyone's going to be talking about is what a nightmare perez had so all he had to do was just stay out of trouble and get a all right result but it was an absolute shocker it certainly was yeah I, i'm i'm in agreement about the uh the first the first lap first corner i suppose that the contact with hamilton it's you know a lot of cars trying to go into a narrow piece of track into turns one and two of course that picked him up some damage then he came into the pits and uh we're still wondering ah oh, is this going to be sergio perez drive through the field driver of the day get that award in the locker you know he, he Big brain thinking. He's, he's only after those. Um, but then, yeah, has a very clumsy incident with K-Mag, which actually looked like it was going to happen the lap before as well. I think it was one or two laps before. Uh, got very close to him in the hairpin, and you're all like, oh, God, Sergio, it's not on, especially against Kevin Magnussen. Some drivers might be scared off the road, don't, you know, whatever. K-Mag will turn into you no matter what. That man will defend yeah. his position for his life. doesn't Ugh. matter what car you're in. But it was so far back, it was ridiculously clumsy. It was very poor from Sergio. Smashes K-Mag round. You then have this quite funny picture of them looking like they're about to kiss. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just... Uh, such a race to forget. And then you mentioned the VSC as well. Like... I know that he had a damaged car completely. I know you're busy, Tommy, but maybe you can put that on silent. Because um, <laughs> my alarm, because <laughs> I had an alarm today, so my phone's on. That's loud. fine. Oh, look, we've, we've mentioned the time again. Yeah, sorry. Shock. Um, 
but yeah, the VST incident as well, which I, I haven't seen much clarification of right now, but I imagine it's because his car was pretty messed up. But at the same time, everyone's going at a reasonably slow delta if it's VSC, and you're just wondering why you're in the middle of the road. If you need to get out the way, slow down to an absolute almost halt so that Lando can just fly through. There were so many little incidents that you just go, how is that all for the same driver? Yeah, and he had yeah had the front wing problem where he kept <laughs> kept coming in for front wing changes. Uh, the Magnuson one is so poor because he's driving a car that has unbelievable DRS um, and is driving a very good car. So why he's not kind of waiting to go down the main straight perhaps uh, and get a better chance, that move was never on. It was kind of <laughs> the fact that, like you said, even a lap or two laps, whatever it was before, he saw that happen. So you had the test run of, well, that's not going to work. You need to have a a big way alongside him for it to happen. And it was just clumsy. Um, you know, I almost feel that- like, I don't even know how much he actually wanted to go for the move because the one previously was like really close, but he didn't look like he was actually going for the move. No. It just seemed as though he was taking a different line to K-Mag because that, that happened as much as, you know, we're all taught that you know you take a wide entry and then you try and clip the apex and then you go out the corner that corner's different where a lot of drivers don't actually hit the apex and they go very wide whereas Perez was taking a much tighter line in went in pretty deep and then was like oh god maybe i need to make this move stick locks up and then smashes into the side of him yeah it's it's really poor from a driver that's done yeah like two is it 250 races was his last last one um so he's done a lot of uh, races to know that you know, uh, it's it's poor racecraft from Sergio. When normally that is uh, his his thing. You know, we, we bantered about driver of the day, but if he'd have punted his front uh, wing off, which wasn't his fault at the start, and then come through the field, it's like okay, fair enough. But it just unravelled uh, and just got worse and worse and worse. And then, yeah, so many moments. It was just it was just a really embarrassing um, performance that that is kind of yeah. Tainting, tainting his name because we're talking about Sergio Perez like he's the worst F1 driver ever, which is just not true. Like he's a he's very a good driver, one. and right. it, he was so hyped. Um, you know, we we were there saying that he deserves that chance instead of Albon that wasn't performing. But you got to say, in my opinion, I, I think he's doing worse than what Albon did now because it's the mistakes as well. He's not even just slow. He, I don't think Albon made this many mistakes and errors and stuff. So. I think he's being saved by the fact that the car is so good. You know, when Albon was was there, he was Max was finishing the races second and third, so it kind of made Albon look bad that he was eleventh. Perez still has his moments where he finishes eleventh when Max wins the race by twenty seconds. So yeah, and Perez is saved by the fact that Red Bull are so clear that there isn't that pressure on him, unlike when Albon was there. Red Bull weren't dominating. You know, they could yeah. get a podium or whatever, but they, it was a completely different story. And you saw how quickly Red Bull acted upon that. Um, but Perez, you know, Red Bull have won the Constructors title this this weekend. Max could have literally won it on his own if he wanted to. Um, and then the drivers will be wrapped up probably in the sprint uh, in Qatar. And also just to mention about the, the, the decision-making from Perez, it's not like we can say, ah, well, you know, everyone struggled to overtake it was just a bit of a do or die move, you know, whatever. But we saw plenty of examples of drivers positioning their car well enough with either performance advantage or tire advantage to get a really good run out of that hairpin. 
go side by side into spoon curve. There was plenty of opportunities. Even into turn one, we saw some moves. So it wasn't impossible by any stretch of the imagination. It was purely just a, a careless move, unfortunately, for Sergio, which, you know, it just put curtains to his race at, at that point. And um, obviously then eventually he retired. Uh, we'll get onto that shortly. Uh, Gavin Curley 90 comes in with, how much longer can Sergio Perez survive at Red Bull after another disaster race? Well, I'll go back to my point about it being him being saved slightly by the Red Bull performance. Obviously, he's signed for next year. I'm sure Red Bull, with the signing of Sergio for next year, believe that they will still have a reasonably large uh, advantage into next year. And then you're kind of getting into a bit of a difficult territory, I think, from 25 onwards. If Perez has another similar season to this year, it's not good enough because you have to act like the other teams are going to pick it up eventually. Dominance doesn't last forever. Uh, so we'll see what Perez does in 24. But I think they're going to surely, Red Bull are going to start sniffing around the Lando Norrises the, the, of, of this world to, to start thinking about the future for Red Bull. Yeah, you do. You do wonder. Like, I think Perez is saved at the moment. Uh, like you say, from the fact that Verstappen can win it on his own, they're so dominant, um, and they kind of they're getting all these records, and they don't have to really worry about Perez too much. But it is getting a bit uh, embarrassing how how badly it's going for him. And I think that the problem here is if you know if you did just have a clean race and you've 20, 30 seconds down the road on Max, we'd go, oh, well, you know, he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to be on Max's level. And actually it's, it's working in their favor, which we'll get onto later because there's a lot of talk of like, you know, is it sometimes a bad thing to have two very evenly matched teammates because they're always fighting? But if, yeah, <laughs> so if, if Perez, if Perez actually um, was just being consistent and not having these clumsy incidents, um, and just picking up, you know, P two one race, then might might be third or fourth or, but but the problem is he's having these absolute calamity races where it's going spectacularly wrong, um, and it's piling so much unnecessary pressure uh, on him really, um, because yeah, we're all talking about is he going to keep his seat when he could he's probably going to finish second maybe in the title is getting actually a bit close between him and Hamilton now and you do wonder but yeah uh it's I think he's saved at the moment but he can't afford to go into next season and do the same again um, because that's when other drivers will start uh they'll start thinking about okay we need to move on this now you do wonder what sort of um, environment Red Bull are instilling. You know, we've spoken about it many, many times about how drivers are not given much chance before uh, either getting the boot or, or whatever. You do wonder if, you know, that is something that's sort of reinforced to Perez is look, like, look, we're not expecting you to beat Max or be anywhere near him. We just need you to be finishing on the podium with a car that can win. Like, because it's a mental game. That move on Magnussen is, is a clear example of Perez not being in the right mind frame yeah, and definitely. thinking that there's there's so much urgency there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough for Sergio because look, we've said it that he is a really good driver. He's proved himself in the past, especially in midfield teams that shouldn't don't belong on the podium. And Perez was one of those drivers to uh, to deliver that constantly. You know, he won in a blooming I mean, a racing point. Like it it was 
it was an amazing part of his career, but he's gone to Red Bull and it just hasn't worked out the way the way that he wanted. Next question. P1 Patreon member, Agent K. Can you shed some light on the Perez situation with him unretiring for two laps just to serve the penalty? Sure. Let's open up the big FIA manual. Um, it's basically allowed right now to, if you're under your own steam and you go into the pits, ah, I'm done. Car driver gets out the car. You know, we're retiring the car. It doesn't mean that they've like handed in a slip to the FIA and gone. I will. I'm not coming to school concede. anymore. Yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not coming in tomorrow. That is none of that. It's, it's, it's not like it's a substitute like, in football where you can't then come back on the pitch. Like Exactly. You know I mean? If you stop on track and you can't get away from the gravel trap or whatever under your own steam, then you are out of the race. Um, what's interesting is that the FIA seem to be clarifying this rule from here on afterwards. Um, so that's interesting because it has been a thing that you can do this. You can leave the pits, come back out, try and score points, as you mentioned on the Twitch Watch Long Tommy in the 90s and, and whatnot. But since, and the problem I think a lot of fans have, and, and what doesn't sit right with me is, is that penalty side of it, where they can unretire the car or do whatever, toodle round, serve the penalty, which isn't then a penalty, to then get it like wiped off and then, ah, cool, we're retired again. Uh, so I do understand fans' frustration on that side. Uh, for me, though, it's no different to you have an incident and normally you'd come in the pits, but you're like you'd probably go, oh, actually, there's only a few laps left and retire. Um, and then you you come into the pits, serve your penalty so you don't get it at the next race. Um, I, know, I know it's a very extreme version, but this is, this is the thing. Like, it is allowed. I'm surprised they're potentially going to go back on it. Uh, there's talk that they might change that, that rule now, which is silly because it's such a rare incident. Um, you can't, you can't change penalties based on the circumstances, so it's just Red Bull being clever. Uh, the one example that comes to mind is like Spa uh, in that that crazy race where everyone crashed in '98, and um, David Coulthard uh, retired because his front wing, uh, sorry, his rear wing uh, was off, and then they started fixing the car because they knew they could get him out again. It is also not too dissimilar to the incidents where. A driver's crash, they get taken back to the pits and then there's a red flag and then the mechanics go, we might have a bit of time here to, to sort something out. So um, it's just such a rare incident uh, that it's just Red Bull being clever and get getting it done. I can see why it's confusing and a bit like, hmm, it's a little bit uh, loopholey, but then that's that's F1 and that's the kind of thing that, that teams will always do to... To get an advantage, um, you know, you you do it with penalties all the time, where you you judge that risk and reward of going for a for a move, or or oh, we'll, we'll serve our penalty here and do an extra stop and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, um, just Red Bull being being smart, but I'm surprised that they're they're feeling the need to clarify the situation. And then sort of maybe potentially change the rules. I feel like maybe maybe the FIA are getting a bit too pressed by 
Twitter chat and actually should just stick to the rules. Surely not. They're they're not doing this off of Twitter chat. Not Twitter, but this'll like, be, like this will be other teams. Media this will be yeah, yeah. media. This yeah. Um, it's not like this know, they, big they thing is, whereas years ago it was just like, Oh, that's a rule, okay. And then we move on with our lives. Yeah, but, but I suppose years ago and now modern Formula One changes, rules get you know, clarified and so on and so forth. If they don't want people mm-hmm. doing this and teams and drivers moving uh, moving forward, then uh, they'll act upon it and they'll change it. Um, I think as well, they wouldn't have even done this Red Bull had Perez not retired and then been given the penalty. If he'd been given the penalty whilst he was on track, my understanding is that he was given it when he'd already retired. So then he's then going to go out there and pop in a couple of laps and, and off he goes again. So, But it, it, it gave us a lot of memes. Uh, so that's one thing that we were all happy with um, because, my God, was Funniest Tweets littered with Perez memes. It was, uh, it was brilliant. Well, surely they should... They should like give him a grid drop for the next race and that's the penalty rather than being like you have a penalty now uh and then he can serve it um yeah it's it's a it's an odd one um it's that classic thing though isn't it in formula one where this will probably never happen again uh or, oh, yeah. or very very rarely but they have the, the, to, they have to cover it where, i reckon this is probably where they're like well this is why we investigate it after the session everybody so that we can give Grid penalties or whatever, rather yeah, exactly, than during yeah. the race. Oh, yeah, but, but they can all. match their own reasoning now, can't they? Yeah, there you go. We've been forced into a corner now. So, uh, yeah, you wanted this. This so is anyway. what you wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it during the race, also us. Do it after the race so you can give the appropriate penalty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move on to my most memorable moment. And, of course, it has to be the man, the myth, the legend, Oscar Piastri, with his first podium of his career and he kind of did the job that Sergio Perez should be doing in regards to his teammate of course Piastri had an amazing qualifying performance clearly getting the best out of that car over one lap but he said this before to the media over a few other races where he's just starting or still trying to understand the tyre at particularly higher degradation tracks Oscar Piastri just doesn't quite have the technique that Lando Norris has currently. And we saw that because Lando pulled a big old gap uh, to his teammate in the end. And it was clear even after being held up by Perez for five, six, seven seconds with that VSC loss, uh, he still managed to catch up to Piastri and then, and then extend that, that gap by a, by quite some margin. Um, But that being said, Oscar did what he needed to do. You know, he, he kept the Ferraris behind, he kept the Mercedes behind uh, and he delivered, uh, and and that will come, right? That will come with with experience. That managing the tires, know how they they react with certain driving styles, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, his his reaction made me laugh as well because he was just so cool as ice. First ever podium, I'd be screaming, crying, <laughs> calling my mum. Uh, but instead, yeah, Oscar's just like, yeah, cool, thanks, guys. Yeah, he's so chill, isn't he? He's got that kind of Kimmy energy of just so chill about everything and uh yeah are like you really <laughs> i think i would be the same i'd just be like cool this is this do you is reckon fun. maybe yeah You've i am that scored kind of your person. first ever podium your team are going tom bellingham you are a podium sitter i think whatever. i would that is just my personality i think i would be the same what would be your sentence i'd just be like oh that's cool awesome <laughs> Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you. Uh, yeah, but I get, I, yeah, I do, I do love the fact that he is just 
he is like that and he's yeah he he did a did a great job uh really happy that he got his first podium because it's been it's not a long time coming but after Silverstone I was so unlucky to to miss out on that that podium uh, and then he's had a very good season since then um but it's just not quite come to him and there was a there was a worry um when yeah like Lando uh passed him and I was like oh is is it going to be um you know is it going to be a, a problem that he's going to get caught uh, by Leclerc and and the Mercedes and stuff but no uh did the job like you say that someone like Perez could be doing you know he's he's finished quite a way behind his teammate but one he's a rookie and two he's kept the car in one piece and delivered the the points uh, and that's what he needs to be doing at this stage so awesome job from Oscar really pleased for him me too uh question from p1 patreon member leon hopkins underscore with piastri performing as well as he is will he ever be the number one driver in mclaren or will he and norris become equals time will tell i think with this one um because and it, and it can develop and evolve very quickly just look at ferrari for example leclerc's there he's the number one driver signs enters the team and you're like well he's going to be a number two unless he proves himself Sainz starts to prove himself and all of a sudden that status doesn't matter. If you're faster than your teammate, they're not going to slow you down. They're not going to wrap a, a rope around you and pull you back. Like it, it is on merit and on performance. Right now, Lando Norris is the number one driver. He's been at McLaren. It's molded around him and he is performing better than Piastri. At least he did this weekend. Um, but that being said, if Oscar continues to start out qualifying Lando and is as quick as Lando, then they won't do the swap. But it was because Norris was, I don't know, half a second, maybe even more quicker a lap than, than Piastri that they had to make that swap. So I don't even think Oscar Piastri fans can be or can feel aggrieved. I don't think Oscar will uh, because he was that much slower. It's completely justifiable, the, the switch. I know we joked about it in the, the qualifying one of, oh, will they screw Oscar over? And they, they didn't. Obviously, Lando gets on, on the radio to kind of ask for it which is fair enough because he did reel him in and that's with the advantage that Oscar had um uh due to the the VSC and Lando still kind of got back but that's the experience of of Lando I think it's too early to say um I think Oscar has done exactly what McLaren need of him he's picking up good points he's a lot he's a lot closer to Lando than uh, Daniel Ricardo was uh, and doing a really good job and yeah, Oscar is only going to get better, um, like you mentioned about the experience thing. Um, he's only going to get better in the races uh, as well. So uh, very, very good driver lineup, actually, at McLaren. The fact that they've they've signed him on, uh, and rightly so. Um, that's a that's a good old lineup of, uh, you can see why they, they fought for that, having Norris and Piastri, um, and absolutely... They've uh, made the right decision, McLaren, to put their their faith in Oscar. Absolutely, you know he's at the start of his career. He's still learning. He's, in, I think, Lando's a great driver to learn from as well. Lando is one yeah. of the fastest drivers on the grid. Not sure I agree with Lando saying that they're the strongest driver pairing in Formula One, but um, they're certainly up there. Uh, and if they continue on this form and McLaren continue to deliver a great car, then. What's to say that they can't win a race before the end of the year? Because uh, Ma- Max Verstappen's the only driver that's stopping them 
at yeah. the moment. Sure is. Anything else? Yeah. No, cool. On. All right. <laughs> lovely, lovely, and insightful. Yeah. Uh, at Marta Grabo comes up with the next question. What makes Oscar faster in qualifying than Lando, but slower in the race? I feel this has happened a few times. I mean, it was marginal uh, for Japan. Um, of course, he has pipped Lando a few times this year. I don't know the exact uh, head-to-heads, Tommy. I don't know if you know. Um, but no, Lando's I mean, it isn't. He out-qualified Oscar a lot more this year. Yeah, so yeah. I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say he's faster. necessarily faster. Yeah, he's he's delivered, and it shows that he's got ice in the veins, and and he doesn't bottle it under under that one lap at the end of Q three. But I think Lando maybe just hasn't utilized and executed as well in the in those uh, qualifying sessions where he was beaten by Oscar. Because to to think was McLaren really six tenths of a second away from Max uh, in in one lap pace when you look at the rest of the year. Probably not. I mean, Oscar himself even said he made a mistake, but he was two tenths up uh, through the first sector on his final Q3 lap, then didn't improve. Lando didn't improve his last lap either. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say Oscar is better than Lando in qualifying, but they're definitely a lot closer than their race pace. They're a lot more even. Um, I think it just shows that Oscar is an incredibly quick driver and has that kind of raw speed. Um, but like we were saying earlier, uh, he's slower in the race because... He's new, he's a rookie, he's inexperienced. And one thing we shouldn't forget is that uh, Oscar has, um, you know, come from Formula 2 uh, and they don't do as long a races as as Formula 1 and also had that time off as well. Um, and you can only sort of learn the whole tyre situation Um with experience that that's the one thing i think a lot of people struggle with when they move up from f2 to f1 is managing those tires the the degradation and and how best to to utilize them uh that seems to be the thing that is always the biggest stepping stone and it, it's clear that oscar still has to kind of find that sweet spot with it uh but his improvement already has been incredibly impressive and you can't can't question his his speed so he'll get there no doubt so it's 12-4 to Lando in qualifying and 13-3 to Lando in the races so, so they're actually uh, yeah, not uh, too dissimilar <laughs> from yeah yeah so um so yeah Lando still has the upper hand uh, in that particular battle yeah but, um, but yeah Oscar's doing a doing a great job here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is sponsored by Tennis Channel Plus. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May the 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Next question, Ronak says, do Mercedes need to make a change in their driver lineup? It seems like having two number one drivers is causing more harm than good. I think we're getting a little bit carried away here with uh, changing driver lineups and, and so on and so forth. It is similar to a Hamilton-Rosberg situation. They are similarly paced. Hamilton maybe has the upper hand more often uh, over the course of a season, but they're close enough to be tripping over each other a little bit in, in the races. But the thing is, the, the problem that Mercedes have, the, the, the majority here, is the car's not good enough. If the car is Red Bull level, Hamilton and, Versa uh, Hamilton and Russell are fighting for the win, and they've got both the drivers there scoring massive points. There might be the occasion little whoops-a-daisy happens and they're both out the race, Spain 2016, for example. But it hasn't happened. It's, it's, <coughs> it's a sort of simmering point right now. It's like bubbling away, and I think there will be something eventually. Apparently, well, I saw a clip actually of Russell not even going over to speak to Hamilton when they were both getting out of the cars, whether that was deliberate or whether that was just a case of they've just got out of the car and whatever. Who knows? Read into that what you want. But no, I don't think Mercedes need to change the driver lineup. I think they've got two fantastic drivers I would say they're probably the strongest driver lineup on the grid overall. And yeah, you will have this problem with, with whoever's the number one, but it's the car. The car is the problem. That's 95% of Mercedes' problems right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm still adamant that these two, it is a problem when, when that car gets good. But dare I say it, that I do worry. Like Mercedes was so far off this weekend for Red Bull. You know, a second slower in qualifying. It's very concerning that Hamilton doesn't have heaps of time left uh, in his in his career. You know, he can't stay around forever, and it, of course, he's extended his contract for a couple of years. But are Mercedes going to deliver him a championship winning car in those next two years? It's going to be a tough ask with how clear Red Bull are and how well they're doing and. Looks like Mercedes are even behind McLaren and maybe even Ferrari now uh, in terms of their their pace, or, or particularly on tracks like this. So at the moment, it's fine because they get a lot of points, um, and it's it's less extreme when a driver has to let the other one go or they're fighting and stuff. Um, if you give them to the best car, then yes, we'd be questioning. Um, the the driver lineup because I'm still ninety percent convinced ninety nine percent convinced that that they take points off each other and Max gets the title just from uh, even if the car isn't as good because they just take points off each other and have these constant situations. Um, I mean, I personally think that that they put Russell on a one stop just to get him out the way and they were scared of them 
continually racing each other, which does pose the question that they're not getting the maximum, are they, if they're they're throwing a driver with a pretty rubbish strategy just because they're scared of them racing each other. So it does cause headaches there, but God, it was good to see. I really enjoyed the the, the battle and it is just simmering. It's going to boil over at some point, uh, definitely. It was a really good battle. That dive bomb from George as well into the sort of final chicane was was awesome. And then Lewis got him back into turn one. And then you had the fight again. It, the, the pushing wide at Spoon. Yeah, it was like a less extreme version of kind of what Max did at Brazil, where they kind of run run him off and Hamilton ah, went off. But he he just kept on. I think he was like he was just on the the curb. But I think if that was another, I think it, if it wasn't his teammate, he probably would have got a penalty. But I think he got got away with it with that but I think going around the outside of Spoon is absolutely impossible at that stage where Hamilton is slightly ahead and has the inside line and is always going to run slightly wide just through the way in which that corner works it was a classic uh, George was, trying to make the on. move yeah. uh just to co- kind of make a point uh, just to then be on the, the team radio going are we going to race each other or are we going to race everyone else yeah it is it is interesting that it's two races in a row now um but that that it's kind of happened where they're maybe in the way of each other. Uh, but Hamilton's been the better driver this season um, and got a lot more a lot more points now. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame that they, they basically just sacrificed Russell's strategy just to make sure that Hamilton uh, didn't get him, uh, didn't like, they didn't end up fighting and potentially having a crash. Um, but what was interesting actually is is the whole debate of whether what was the right call at the end? Because if Russell had stayed ahead, would he have been able to fend off both of them and then just let Hamilton go at the end? I personally don't think so. I think he was a sitting duck with how far how far he dropped at the end. It was always going to be a struggle for him to stay ahead of both of them. And then you well, run well, that What were you saying at the time there, Tommy? What were you saying at the time? Uh, so at the time, Slander. I did think that it made, it made sense. <laughs> it made sense for them to... To do it, and I think Anthony Davidson said the the same thing that you kind of sealing the two cars ahead of the Ferrari, um, but I guess it does run that risk of Hamilton then being passed by Science as well. Exactly, you know, and, and I I agree with what Mercedes decided to do because on pure pace, I don't think Signs had enough of a of a delta to to Hamilton in terms of an advantage that he could have probably passed Lewis on track. I think there was a four lap tire difference between those two, but George obviously at the front of that queue was almost pushing them all together slightly. And that was then giving signs that opportunity to potentially get past. And the DR, the Mercedes, excuse me, DRS is, is pretty meh anyway. So it's, it's not, not like great straight line speed, have they? Yeah. It's not like it's really something they could pull off like signs did in Singapore with this whole DRS trick once they did swap. Um, but it was the right decision because Hamilton stayed ahead of Sainz and George fell off massively and, and ended, ended up finishing seven and a half seconds behind Carlos Sainz in seventh. So uh, his tyres were finished. Question. Has to la vista. Was that the best episode of the Max Verstappen podcast this year? <laughs> of course, the Max Verstappen <laughs> podcast, for those that don't know or don't follow the memes, is the cool down room um, because Max has had so many episodes where he is in the middle and um, I love it. I love the cool down room. I will constantly say how much I love it. Um, it's, I just love being able to watch drivers 
watch the race back for the first time. It's almost like we're doing a watch along with the drivers, but the drivers are seeing it for the first time and all the noises they're making. Oh, ah, e, ah. Or like when Lando watched Perez destroy Magnussen and just went, interesting. And stuff like that, like it's it's brilliant. And hearing that not, uh, Lando was literally watching the television whilst Piastri was was fighting for P three, it's stuff like that. You just don't you don't see, you don't really get to feel that sort of genuine chat between drivers because you gen you do feel like a fly on the wall. Yeah, you can tell that Lando is very um, aware of the the meme, shall we say? Because he he was kind of acknowledging it. I think he even said, "Oh, I'm on the Max Verstappen podcast or something at one point." Oh, by the way, we're screwed. We are oh. screwed. Oh, because Max said he hates podcasts. Yep. Yeah, the dream's dream's over. Sorry, guys. We want him on the podcast. We're trying. We've been asking. We've asked him the question. We'll do it anywhere. We'll go to the moon if necessary to go and film it. With Matt. And then, and then when he said, "I don't even like podcasts," I was like, "Hopefully, oh, no. he means listening to them and not being part of them." Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> but no, it was a funny. It was a funny, uh, funny little uh, cool down room. Uh, again, they very much were aware that they were being listened to as well um and lando is just so like off the off the rails uh with stuff he just doesn't he care, just does, doesn't he? care does he which is funny which is refreshing it's nice to yeah. see that, that side of the drivers even though they do now know that the cool down room is one of the most highly anticipated moments of any f1 weekend yeah uh so yeah yeah it was good stuff great entertainment from the top three and finally, we need to talk about the Pierre Gasly incident, which wasn't broadcast or really shown, but there were clips going around on social media where Pierre Gasly was let through by Ocon to go and attack Alonso. He didn't manage to attack or pass Alonso. And then Alpine essentially pleading Pierre to give the position back to Esteban, with which he then slams on the brakes before the final corner, well, just after the final corner, sorry, Let's ock on through, and then his, Pierre's reaction the rage was like he'd just been told to give Esteban Ocon the world championship. It was for ninth and tenth. It was and he's absolutely mind boggling. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah, he was throwing his hands up in the air. He was swearing, like middle yeah. finger. Yeah, he was. He was Crazy. throwing his arms around. It was quite something to behold. Like you say, for for a a 10th place. Um, it was such a strange reaction for something that isn't an unusual scenario. Yes, the mask is slipping, isn't it? Of, uh, oh, we, we are, we're okay now. We, we, we are friends, or like at least we tolerate each other. Um, if that's his reaction to getting beaten by Ocon, um, well, the fact that Ocon let him go and then he's being told to give it back um, and kind of that reaction shows that they're... It's still not uh, quite. Uh, they're they're definitely not over their their old beef, are they? Particularly, I don't know. Maybe there's something else to it. You know, I, I just don't really understand why that reaction uh, was necessary. But look, I'm sure there's there's, there's reasons for it, and perhaps uh, he will put a story out and clarify at some point because he does like putting out a, a little story, doesn't he, Pierre? To to tell let everyone know exactly what's up. Yeah, he's like, oh, I had a had really itchy arm at the end, and it was yeah, I had to I mean, get fair. out the cockpit to scratch it. Something maybe. maybe, and it was his middle finger that was itchy. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, let's now move on to biggest winner, whether it's a driver or team. Ah, oh, biggest winner. I mean, McLaren are obviously very much probably deserving of of biggest winner. 
Uh, and there's not really any other standout no. performances, I would say. I mean, Max, whatever, you know, we're, we're, he does. we this know is what, what he, he does. can do. Uh, but as a winner, someone that is impressed, I think definitely uh, McLaren. Is, I, would, I, I would say Piastri, but I don't think Piastri's performance actually was biggest winner. I think McLaren no. as a whole and the performance they've shown uh, looks really good for, for both this weekend and also in a couple of weeks in Qatar. Yeah, it's got to be McLaren. They executed the perfect race. Um, obviously, Max has, was always going to lock out that P1, so the best they could hope for was was a 2-3. Uh, and they executed it perfectly, uh, you know, even to the point where they made the, not tough call, but the, the right call in allowing Norris through as well just to maximise the result. And, uh, yeah, great job from, from McLaren. I mean, we're kind of used to it now because of Silverstone, but... It really does. You really do have to think back to the start of the year and think, like, what an unbelievable turnaround uh, it is. It's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely mind boggling to think how McLaren have moved forward from Bahrain. If I load up the uh, <laughs> results, you had Lando finishing two laps down and Oscar Piastri DNF. Um, that wasn't obviously purely on, on speed. Mm. Saudi Arabia, Lando Norris finished 17th, <laughs> 86.4 seconds off the win. Oscar Piastri finished 15th, 85 seconds off. Like, that yeah. is miraculous. Without uh, Max, from, they've literally right. gone from back markers to, like, race winners, which is yeah. insane. Yeah, from the bottom, now they're there. Love it. Yeah. So well done, McLaren, for biggest winner. Uh, biggest loser. There's quite a few biggest losers this weekend. Alfa Romeo being one. Williams being another. Sergio Perez, I think, probably takes the biscuit. I think yeah, yeah. Maybe, I think Checo. I think I think Checo's biggest. It's loser got this to be Checo with how bad uh, his race went. But uh, Williams maybe. Uh, Logan's very much up there as well. We haven't even spoken about Logan's dive oh, the bomb. The fact on that Bottas. he he crashed. Well, wasn't again. the dive bomb. He was trying to defend and then just locked up and smashed a life at a Bottas and crashed in qualifying. Ooh, yes, Logan. I mean, mm. I yeah, Sh- I I do think. You could argue maybe Logan, just the fact that his seat is surely hanging by a thread well. now. I saw something going around now that apparently Felipe Drugovich has opened up contract talks to potentially uh, race for Williams next year, which I think would be a very strange move from Williams. But I mean, I'd, ugh, I mean, he's a he's a not in a champion, bad way, but I mean, like, Liam Lawson's there. If and unless has he's literally unavailable. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, we never actually got to see Drugovich. Uh, how? how he did because Stroll came back even with a, a broken hand in he for, for Bahrain. So, um, I mean, it's a better choice than Logan, but uh, it'd be interesting. I, I imagine every single driver uh, without a seat uh, is knocking on James Vowser's door right now because uh, so surely Sargent's uh, contract is, uh, yeah, almost I did ripped. enjoy your tweet as well. I, 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 I really good from you which one was it uh nicholas latifi could uh oh, walk nicholas so, latifi logan could run. so logan could run i mean <laughs> it's it's so strange how logan is literally fitting into that latifi role now it's it's mad yeah big time um, if not more but yeah i think yeah biggest loser actually probably to logan Sargent because he's potentially lost his seat off the back of that i don't know mm. we'll see Right, let's now reflect on our predictions that we made on Wednesday and see how we have done. Uh, first and foremost, biggest good surprise. I went for Hulkenberg and <laughs> that did not work out, but he beat K-Mag. So well done, Hulk. Biggest good surprise. 
<laughs> uh, I went for Charles Leclerc. And nah, it's not, not even no, podium, I can't even, I, yeah, it's not, it's not a big enough surprise. Like if he'd got on the podium, I might've been able to argue it, but obviously, yeah. obviously, you know, said that I think he'd have the upper hand on science, which he did, but it's not like, Didn't phrase it oh my God. Wow. Well, yeah. Not like, like some guy. Yeah. Some guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, biggest flop. Uh, I went for signs. No, it's, no. Not, it's not floppy. He got beaten by Charles, but yeah, sixth place is not, not flop by any stretch. And I went for Magnuson who did finish last but when there's drivers um he's, punting each other out he's not the one that's made a mistake three stop as well like they were so washed it's yeah frightening like what are they doing with their i mean magnuson's finished last but when you have drives like sergeants and oh no so magnuson did a two stop holkenberg did a three stop eight laps on the softs then another 13 on the mediums then another 16 so holkenberg on the did a and then 15 better, on the mediums. Did an extra stop and still beat Magnussen, so biggest flop. Don't you Magnuson. dare. Don't Although you then dare. you'd get biggest surprise for <laughs> hope, yeah, so, it yeah. doesn't, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. We both it got equals nothing. out either way. Yeah. I think it's okay. a zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Okay, uh, we're now going to pole position. I went for Max Verstappen. Thank you very much. One point. Cheers. How the, tur- how the turntables. Um, I've gone for Leclerc and no. That did not happen. Uh, now we go to our top three in... Mm. Just get it all done. Yeah, just get it. In first place, I went for Max Verstappen. One point. Just what did you go for? Just go for your. No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna savor this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna squeeze every droplet out of this segment. Okay, I went for Max Verstappen as well. One point. In second place, I went for Lando Norris. One point. I've got to go. I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, No, I went for (laughs) Leclerc. No, no points. And third place, I went for Piastri. You got the point. big three. You got the big That's three. unreal. Right, I now need to speak to you. Wait, no, you said third place, Norris, right? So zero. Yeah, yeah, so zero. No points Go on. I'm now going to put something. Okay. N- no, you're not getting yeah. extra no, no, points. Listen, you... listen, listen, listen. I know you too. Top five. I knew Top what you. Five. I knew what you were going to say. Look, no. People have suggested this, no. and I think it needs to go to the YouTube comments. It needs to go to the YouTube comments. I got the top five correct. For the pre-race predictions, I said Verstappen, Norris, Piastri, Leclerc, Hamilton. Do I get a bonus point for that? And for the foreseeable, if you get it right as well, you also get a point. I think that's fair. I don't because (laughs) you've already got a lot of points this week. (laughs) Right. We're taking it to the YouTube comments. Please um, let me know, please. And then upvote things that say yes. Don't upvote things that say no. I want to see if I get a bonus point. I got the top five right. That is unreal for me. I will knowledgeed this week, and I'm very happy about it, as you can yeah, tell. I can tell, but <laughs> alas, it's not a point. He's so angry. No, well, we'll see. We'll see what the YouTube comments say. Uh, and finally, our one crazy prediction. I said Leclerc beats Carlos Sainz, which he has after three races of not doing it. So come on the me. That sounds weird. And you, Tommy? I said Liam Lawson in the points and no p11 what alpha tari love a p11 can they just like actually score points i think they Um, they don't they don't understand what the uh the point system is maybe they think it's the top 11 that get points or something yeah and they're just constantly um, like yes we've won the we've won the second half board up they got the pit board up that says p11 come on yeah with their hand over the other one going p1 yeah (laughs) p1 Um, for both of our drivers yeah 
God. So yeah, zero points for you, unfortunately, Tommy. Uh, so that's five for me this week and one for you. Oh, I we think we are Michael Masseying this championship beautifully. Actually, you, you you do the next bit, and I'm going to go just check because I'm pretty sure I was four ahead. So we might be equal now. Wow, love it! Right, we'll go to our uh, crazy predictions from you, wonderful lot. First and foremost, Dan, the United fan, said Stroll top six. I am sorry to uh, let you know that did not happen. Uh, Quadrado, Manuela, Leclerc returned to the podium. Nope. And Nord, one Red Bull, one Ferrari, one Merc, DNF. No! So that is that. Zero points for the uh, for the listeners, unfortunately, for you lot. And Tommy, have you got the results of I where have. we currently stand? Uh, after many rounds, I don't even know what round we're on. Matt Gallagher. 45 points. Tom Bellingham, 44 points. He's taken back the lead with a big old Come on! And I might be getting another one if the YouTube comments say enough yeses and upvotes. Please help No, just think think about the championship. Come on. No, I want to win this now. You you were a scumbag doing the Max Verstappen pole position uh, streak that you you had, but fair play to you. No, good strategies. Speaking of Michael Massey, um, did you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you see the thing i tweeted about it being in that yes. random video where someone was just some like australian youtuber or whatever was just going around sydney asking people about kebabs and of all the people to walk past was michael massey and he just obviously was like oh god no a camera and a guy's scarred clearly thought he was going to be asked about abu dhabi or something yeah fair. and um yeah had no time for um kebabs, kebabs so yeah Unbelievable. What a way to end, eh? Well, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this wonderful post-race podcast. Remember, our Patreon is now live if you want to have some more exclusive content from us, including classic races, early access to live events, a private Discord where me and Tommy are constantly chatting to you guys. We've got more podcasts as well, exclusive podcasts, ad-free listening, so many benefits. If you want to come and join that, please uh, check out patreon.com forward slash p one tommy And Tommy, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts are that I need to brush up on my wheel knowledge because I'm fuming about those predictions and how the the championship is slipping from my grasp after my incredible strategy of picking the Stappen every week. And I've just what what was I thinking? And then, and then Max you started picking Leclerc. Like I love it. I love it. Tommy. Oh, no. I've got a Ferrari 2019 engine in me right now, and I am flying. <laughs> So let's see how uh, how that ends. But um, we'll see you very soon. Tomorrow, of course, for our driver ratings and lots more content, even though it is an off week next week. Don't you worry. We've got Daniel Ricciardo coming out this week as well. The second video we did with him, a distraction challenge. So look forward to that. And we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.